This episode may contain content some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm Corey. I'm Holly. And this is Sister Strange. Woo! Woo! How you doing? I'm doing. Yeah. Same. I'm doing. Same. You're having computer issues. Again. Again. There's always something broken. But it's fine. We'll get an episode up this week like normal. Yes. Because you're listening to it right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm currently on Baby Watch. <laughs> you are. I'm I also am. kind of on Baby Watch, but you more my, than me. My best friend's being induced to, as of the day that is, we are recording, um, which means little man is here when this episode goes up, and I'm already in love. <laughs> so I'm just waiting to get that magical text um, to say he's here. Yeah. Those little things in life that... We kind of have to look forward to. <laughs> I see what you did there, little things. Little things. Little things. I don't, he might be a chunk. I don't know. I hope he's a chunk. I think baby should be in three parts. I mean, <laughs> you weren't really a chunk. You were you were long. Well, in comparison. Yeah. I was teeny tiny. You were. <laughs> you were dainty. I was very dainty because I showed up early. Well, that's a whole other situation. Yeah. So, what are we doing this week? So, this week, Holly and I are talking about, because we are slowly working up to next week's pre-Halloween episode, we are talking about some of our favorite hauntings. Um... In the wider sense, I know we've done like the big heavy hitters, um, Amityville and what was that? I don't know what you did. I did Amityville. You did do Amityville. I don't remember what you you did. Well, we've already covered a couple big um, Ed and Lorraine Warren cases because regardless of how you feel about the Warrens, um, they're sort of the grandparents or they were sort of the grandparents of modern um, ghost hunting. I think that's mm-hmm. fair to say. And modern spiritualism and modern demonology. Um, and again, regardless of how you feel about them, it's sort of, if you ask anybody in that world who are Ed and Lorraine Warren, they know exactly what you're talking about. So Holly's got a bit of a doozy for you. Buckle up, buttercup, because this is a long one. <laughs> so Holly's actually going to get us started this week I am, give me one second Because yeah. I'm actually now looking for that episode <laughs> Was it our Friday the 13th one? No No It was the Enfield Pol- Poltergeist I covered the Enfield Poltergeist It was that one It was that one So My sources for this are Wikipedia why don't you tell everybody what you're doing first? No, because I'm getting to that. Oh, okay, fine. Sorry, I'll show you. Let me do my thing, lady. <laughs> so my sources for this week are Wikipedia, SeeksGhost.blogspot.com, a ranker list, Ghost Hunter Season 2, Episode 14, and Ghost Adventure Season 4, Episode 4. This particular haunting has a very cozy place in my dark little heart um i am covering the waverly hills sanitarium so going back to the whole ghost hunters thing did you know they did a return episode they're doing a return series that you mean you mean to waverly to waverly yes yeah i do remember that i don't remember the content of it but i do remember that episode I have not seen that episode. No, that's the in the new series. It came out in 2019. 
Oh, no, I haven't seen the return in the new series. Yes. No, I know they went back to the lighthouse. Yep. Um, and debunked a bunch of fun stuff there. Yeah. Um, um, I have not seen this If you guys liked the original Ghost Hunters, definitely check out the reboot. Um, because it feels just, like old Ghost Hunters. <laughs> it's just Grant, though, isn't it? Yep, it's just Grant um, and a Jason, whole new team of investigators. There was a- big falling out with them and yeah well i think they're they're just not aligned in what they're set out they're setting out to do yeah uh, but jason is doing his own thing um grant is doing his own thing but the new ghost hunters reboot feels like old ghost hunters yeah i haven't checked it out yet because apparently they're already on season two mm-hmm. it's on uh-huh. hulu Ooh, I didn't know that, so maybe I'll have to check that out later tonight. Um, so the return episode in the new series is Season 2, Episode 9. Okay, good to know. So a little bit of background, and by a little bit, I mean a whole lot of it, because there's just a whole lot of information before I can actually get into the haunting aspect of this. So bear with me. Waverly Hill Sanitarium is dubbed one of the most haunted places in the world, as well as the most haunted hospital in the eastern United States. The land was originally purchased by Major Thomas H. Hayes in 1883. It was to be used as the Hayes family home, but due to it being so isolated, he constructed a one-room schoolhouse for his daughters to attend. He hired Lizzie Lee Harris as their teacher. And due to her fondness of Walter Scott's Waverly novels, she named the schoolhouse Waverly School. Now, Major Hayes enjoyed the serene nature of the name and decided to name the entire property as Waverly Hills. At some point, the Board of Tuberculosis kept the name when they bought the property and converted it into a sanatorium. In the early 1900s, Jefferson County was hit with a severe outbreak of tuberculosis. For those of you who don't know what tuberculosis is, it's a bacterial infection that attacks the lungs and the respiratory system. Um, Many cases in Louisville was due to the wetlands along the Ohio River. The moist conditions were a perfect breeding ground for the bacteria. In an attempt to control the outbreak, a two-story wooden building was constructed that was composed of an admin building, two open-air pavilions that was able to house 20 patients, and a smaller child's pavilion. The hospital continued to grow in size until 1926. Backtrack a little bit. By March 1924, the building had grown into a five-story building that could house over 400 patients. That includes a child children's pavilion that was used for both sick children, but also the care of children of sick parents who weren't able to be cared for otherwise. In 1943, after the introduction of streptomycin, cases began to decrease. With cases falling, there was no need for such a large hospital, and the remaining patients were transferred to Hazelwood Sanitarium, and Waverly Hills was closed in June 1961. A year later, it was reopened as Woodhaven Geriatric Center, where it housed the elderly, dementia patients, those who were limited by mobility, and the mentally impaired. Woodhaven failed spectacularly due to understaffing and overcrowding. It was closed in 1982 by the state of of Kentucky after reports of patient neglect and abuse came to light. This, unfortunately, is not surprising at all. This happened all too often, especially back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. A lot of these... The word that was used, and I hate this word, was unmentionable or incurable or undesirable people were sent off to sanitariums and they were living in deplorable conditions. They were used as human guinea pigs for treatments that didn't necessarily work. Yeah, that's I mean, we I think a lot of us are familiar with the expose um, from the 70s 
mm-hmm. um, where they took video cameras inside one of these asylums. Um, I know that asylum you're talking about, and it is the name is the name is escaping me. I can't um, remember off the top of my head, but that film that if you guys want to search it out, that footage is still around and you can watch it, but watch it your own discretion. It is it's hard, very upsetting. It's hard. Um, um, yeah. So we're gonna flash back to the 1900s real quick. Okay. Sounds so good. the treatments for TB at the time were rest, a balanced diet rich in vitamins and minerals fresh air and sunshine, and occasionally surgery to remove the diseased areas of the lungs. Aren't we glad medicine has advanced past sunshine and fresh air? Patients often did not respond to this treatment and died. Aren't we glad modern medicine has evolved past sunshine and fresh air? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it gets worse. In total, approximately 63,000 patients died at Waverly Hills at the height of the epidemic. That was one person every hour. Wait, the high- that, say that number one more time nice and slow. Approximately 63,000 patients died at Waverly Hills. At the height of the epidemic, it was one person every hour. Goodness. And this is over the course of how long? I'm sorry. Um, for... 19, hold on, early 1900s until 1962 So like this, this particular epidemic, so it's, it's that 63,000 over that entire time. And that's not including the patients when it converted to Woodhaven, that whole, Housed so all just while it was known as Waverly Hills. Yes. Good Lord. So even though this hospital was one of the best TB hospitals in the country at the time, the high mortality rate was often attributed to neglect and mistreatment by the staff, as well as unscrupulous doctors. One, the treatments ranged from unproven science at best to completely unethical at worst. Treatments like pneumon thorax was which is the treatment of deflating the infected area of the lungs and then letting it heal. Um, thoraplasty which involved opening up the chest and removing several ribs the idea behind this procedure was allowed more room for the lungs to expand to take in more oxygen. Only 5% of the patients that endured this survived. The more ill patients, the ones suspected not to survive at all, were often used as guinea pigs. One procedure involved inflating the patient's lungs with surgically implanted balloons while others were subjected to hydrotherapy, which also often resulted in pneumonia and then later death. The doctors at Woodhaven were honestly no better. They would often use electric shock therapy on their patients to control the more, quote, difficult patients. Um, And some reports of lobotomies were also reported. Um, again, we all kind of had a general idea of how patients were treated in sanatoriums at that time. Um, it's just not pretty. So one of the things that makes Waverly Hills so interesting is that it has a death tunnel or a death chute or a body chute, depending on who you talk to. So the tunnel was the entrance and exit for workers of the sanatorium. It was built on the first floor with the rest of the building. Um, The corridor is about 500 feet from the bottom of the hill and has a set of stairs to one side, which the workers use to go up and down into like the admin halls and things like that. On the other side, there was a cart that was moved up and down, which transported supplies and other necessities, and later bodies. Um, Since antibiotics did not exist yet, uh, other forms of aid were used to treat the patients. For example, it was 
this cart was often used to bring up heat lamps, um, bring weaker patients down for fresh air. Um, so so a death shoe is, is really, I'm getting there. It's not, it's not a misnomer. Um, I'm getting we'll there. Talk about in a moment. Yeah, but like, I think a lot of people, when they hear about the Waverly Hills death shoe, it conjures up a, a far darker um, image than it may have actually been. Oh, no. You know what I mean, though? Like, I think yeah. everyone immediately at goes the beginning, to the dark and spooky. Oh, well, at the beginning, when the sanitarium was just up and running and they were using it to, like, before the epidemic hit its peak. Yes. Um, however. <laughs> um, this shoot was used to uh, help dispose of bodies without other patients being seeing the bodies especially during the height of the epidemic um the sight of the bodies being carried away in full view of the patients tend to lower their morale um so the sanatorium decided to start transporting the bodies as secret secretively as possible to increase morale and lower the quote death rates um Doctors and nurses also used it or uh, believed that it would help lower the disease spread at this time. Now, remember, at the peak of this epidemic, one person per hour was dying. So imagine every hour you're laying in your bed just watching worker after worker transporting out the dead. It kind of puts a thought in your head that mm, that could be me next. So the thought was to get them out of sight, out of mind, to get everybody a little bit more comfortable. So due to the high number of deaths on this property, there's no surprise that there have been countless paranormal experiences. Uh I don't think they're doing it right now because of COVID, but if you live in the area, um, they do uh, tours and they'll do like, you can do just a day tour. Um, there's an overnight six hour tour. They do kind of like a walk through haunted house during Halloween. Um, so that's kind of neat if you're interested in that kind of thing and they're still doing it with the whole COVID thing, which I don't think they are right now. So, one of the more popular hotspots at Waverly Hills is room 502. And this is because supposedly there was a nurse that hung herself in that room after learning of an unwanted pregnancies. pregnancy. Now, there's two ways the story goes. Um, one story is that she was an unwed young mother who found out she was pregnant wound up giving birth disposing of the baby in a water tank and then hanging herself um part of that story is that she was also positive for tb um another version of that particular story is that um it was actually the child of a doctor that worked there and he couldn't have her having the babies so he essentially forced her into we're gonna have a content disclaimer at this right we're gonna have to i think yeah. yeah um so essentially he attempted to perform an abortion on her botched it she wound up dying and he hung her in the room to make it look like a suicide um women who visit this particular room um especially pregnant women feel nauseous and sick and there are accounts of women who don't even know they're pregnant having that symptom which is really interesting um another nurse who worked specifically in room 502 inexplicably threw herself off of the roof of the building with no explanation as to why um granted this is working a very difficult job watching many patients especially many young patients pass away 
So it could have just been stress from the job and nothing paranormal, but still. So the Louisville Ghost Hunter Society, when they did their investigation, they reported smelling freshly baked bread coming from a kitchen that was in complete shambles, windows broken, chairs strewn about the room. All of them had smelled freshly baked bread. Ghost-like carbs. I mean, I can get behind that uh, that message. Mm-hmm. I wish ghosts would bake me bread. Ghost bread. Ghost bread. What kind of bread do you think they'd make? Oh, the best bread. I don't know. Mm, cinnamon raisins. They could be real millennial and go with a sourdough because everyone's got a sourdough starter right now. Right? Uh, I don't... Um, I love a good potato bread, but I think I'm in the minority there. Yeah, no. Uh, That's all. Mm-mm. A little bit I'm of not like, about it. like an Italian loaf would be Ooh. great. With some, like make some bruschetta. Mm. Uh, mm. Mm. All bread <laughs> is good bread. Most bread is good bread, depending on who you ask, because we all have very varying opinions about carbs. All bread is good bread. <laughs> I've said my piece and I'm sticking by it. All right. So one of the more prominent ghosts, and she's been seen quite often. Um, oh, before I forget, the nurse of room 502 can actually be seen peeking out of the doorway on the night tours, which is creepy. <laughs> I'm not about I mean... it. Hello. Yeah. Little boop. Just, just a little hello. Hello. <laughs> um, so one of the more prominent ghosts, and she's been seen quite a bit, um, is an older woman who roams the hallways bleeding from her chained hands and feet. Uh, she said that she will ask for help, but as someone gets closer, she runs and screams in terror away from the person that she has asked for help from. Um, this one I'm not too sold on. Just because that just seems very stereotypical to me. But the next one, I believe wholeheartedly, because it's sad. So there's also a ghost of a young boy named Timmy. Now, Timmy is severely connected to Waverly Hills because... People speculate he died when he was about six or seven. So this little boy has no connection to the outer world. And the only place he really knows is Waverly Hills. But the best part about this is visitors will often bring balls in hopes to play with a child. Um, I forget which website I was using, but they have video of like rolling a ball, something just rolling it back to them. But a lot of people also try to attribute that to the unevenness, uneven floors. But I say Timmy is just looking to have someone to play with and spend some time with. Because the afterlife when you're six or seven, I'm sure, is not fun by yourself. No. But then you also have to remember that that a lot of times children are the most easy thing for. I don't want to. How do I how do I phrase this correctly? I know where you're going with this. Children are the easiest thing for evil to mimic. Oh, yeah. Um, so I wonder how much of this ball rolling back and forth bonding is, is an attempt to get something more. Does that make sense? Yes. However, yeah. I'm very, very... I'm very comfortable in saying that I believe even though I've never been to Waverly Hills throwing that out there real quick um, I believe that this particular spirit is genuine like as far as being a young boy because visitors who have visited have talked about a sense of dread and doom there's said to be a malevolent spirit called the creeper now, the creeper could be one of two things. Could be a demon. Or it could be a very twisted spirit 
who died somehow in the sanitarium due to either the illness or the mistreatment and is just irritated. Um, But people say they get a very thick sense of dread and anxiety and will often see a mist manifesting when they have this feeling. Um, The other thing with the creeper is that if you hear a whistle, go the exact opposite way. I feel like most people would do that anyway. True. Um, the creeper also likes to hang out in the death chute. Just naturally. Just throwing that out there. Creeper um, gonna creep. Mm-hmm. Which is why I don't think that Timmy is anything malevolent. Because there's already something malevolent hanging out. Not to say that I this... Mean... I was going to say, that doesn't mean that, yeah. like, but they don't have all... a quota they have to meet. <laughs> no, but there's a lot. Of, allotment. There were a lot of children at the sanitarium, not necessarily all of them sick. But, like, there, if you look up pictures, there are pictures of, like, nurses with little ones in diapers on a jungle gym on the roof. Um, like, there were quite a few little ones during all of this, so I wouldn't be surprised was poor little Timmy or Tim, Timothy, tiny human. Um, so people have also seen shadow people or shadow figures. People have seen uh, doppelgangers or heard doppelgangers, which I think is really interesting. Have you heard of this one? Um, I have some idea, but not a ton of information. Okay, so Tell the whole... More. I will. The whole doppelganger thing is the doppelganger theory is that there is someone in the world somewhere that looks exactly like you. Naturally. However, in the paranormal aspect of it, it's a spirit that sounds like you and looks like you and acts like you Mm -hmm. in order to trick whoever is in close proximity. However, the biggest difference between obviously the living version and the doppelganger is that the doppelganger often has black holes where eyes are supposed to be. Um, The ghost hunters actually had a little bit of an experience. I don't remember which uh, investigator it was, but they thought they heard Grant yelling for them and it wasn't Grant. (laughs) I have to go back and see if I can, number one, find the original series streaming somewhere. Uh, two, if you just Google it, it pops right up. And two, I have to review or, or revisit the Waverly Hills. We should yeah. have a watch party. We should. We should watch that. Um, and revisit the Waverly Hills episodes because I think they're relatively compelling. I'd like to look at them with fresh eyes like yeah. 20 years later. Oh, yeah. Um, you know. But, uh, like I said, shadow people, like, manifestations of mist, your typical, like, pulling on clothing, uh, hair, playful, finger quotes, ghost stuff. Um, So, Waverly Hills has popped up in pop culture quite a bit. So, obviously, both very popular ghost hunting shows have covered them. Ghost Hunters Season 2, Episode 14, that's the original one, um, as well as their return in the news one, Season 2, Episode 9. Ghost Adventures, Season 4, Episode 4, I did not like their episode, honestly. I'm not a huge fan of them. Sorry, not so, sorry. So here's how I feel about Ghost Hunters. Sidebar, and I know I keep interrupting. but No, it's here's, okay. Here's how I feel about Ghost Adventures, rather. I think that Yes, it's TV. No, it's not even good TV. However, I think when you look at these episodes, and I think when you look at moments from Ghost Adventures, on an individual level, I think they get some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, are they... I total... also take a lot of their stuff with a grain of salt, but... Yeah, are they total like, dude, bro, bro, dude, huh? Um, <laughs> they remind do they give me... off... Do they give off big, big old, like... Dude bro. <laughs> dude bro vibes? Oh, yeah. Yes. Know who they remind me of? Who? 
They remind me of like the Chris Angel version of Ghost Hunters. They kind of are. Actually, they came out around the same time, didn't they? Uh, Chris Angel's been out for longer, but he got old like... real quick, by the way. Well, happens when you're kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, Chris Angel's not relevant, so I don't know if that, that's no. a controversial <laughs> opinion. <laughs> um, but from what yeah, I understand, I, I think when you look at Ghost Adventure and when you look at their episodes and when you look at I don't want to say the proof, but when you look at the unquote proof evidence and when you look at what they what they do get they get some interesting stuff and and it's stuff that I don't know that I could argue with. Yeah. Um same thing with Ghost Hunters though. Do I think that everything that happened on Ghost Hunters was legit? No. And they've come out and said not everything on their show has been legit. Absolutely not. Do um, I think that you can't like visit a place once and call it done and dusted? The lighthouse episode in the new season in the reboot is prime example because they debunk something from the first from the visit. original. Um, I will say this though, from right, I'll least... get down off my high horse now. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Um, I will say this much as far as the original series of Ghost Hunters. Do you remember the episode of, I don't remember what season or what episode, but they went into a family home and they went in to observe a young child because he was having the most experiences mm-hmm. and they caught nothing. And they literally told the parents, this is why your child is acting this way. It turns out that he was able to play um, like either watch TV or play video games right before bed. And if any of you have taken any kind of basic psychology, you know that young developing brains tend to stay active longer than adult brains, which is why mm-hmm. a lot of people will tell you, don't watch TV before you go. Don't look at your phone before you go to bed. Stay yeah. away from screens because it keeps your brain active. It keeps your brain um, thinking. I was mm-hmm. up till two in the morning this morning because my brain wouldn't shut off. Right. So they literally like, they told this family, hey, cut down on TV time, say about an hour before bedtime and see how he does. And mm-hmm. af- when they started doing that, all of his hauntings, quote, went away. So I I like that about them. What They go, or at least the original, they went in with a lot of doubt. Right. As far as, like they were, they even said they're not going into prove a hunting. They're going into debunk it. Right. Um, they also hold a very special place in my heart, but I'll get to that in a minute. So, <laughs> so in 2005, a B horror movie called death tunnel was released. It was not received well by viewers or critics. I think it got a, uh, hold on. Cause I'm going to look it up now. I forgot. Um, it's available to rent on Amazon for $3 if you feel so inclined. I have a very soft, squishy spot for obscure bad horror, but that's just me. Um, and honestly, it covers some of the lore really, really well, even though it's like cheesy B um, horror. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. It's horribly 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 like cheese it's very campy mm. it's the camp is real <laughs> all right so it got a 26 percent on uh rotten tomatoes oh no yeah it's not great <laughs> but Maybe that's what we should watch i like it it's it's honestly one of my favorite movies and that's the movie that actually was like oh i should do that um there is also a documentary called Spooked, the Ghost of Waverly Hill Sanitarium, um, which I have not watched because I cannot find it to rent anywhere and I don't want to spend $24 to buy a DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also by the same uh, TV company, which is Spooked TV. They also made a book series to go along with their documentary series and the book that goes along with this is called the 
Incurable History and Hauntings of Waverly Hill Sanitarium, which covers the history of the grounds really, really nicely. So, back to Ghost Hunters. Um, I would honestly highly recommend anyone who has not watched the original episode of Ghost Hunters at Waverly Hills to watch it. Um, honestly, I feel like it's some of the most compelling evidence that they have ever captured. So, exactly 11 years ago, the day that this goes up, oh, really? I had, yep, I had the opportunity to go to a Q&A with the Ghost Hunters. Yes, you did. I did. And after embarrassing myself and asking Grant if he would adopt me on a dare <laughs> by a friend, um, I asked them what the most unsettling place they went to was and they both responded at the same time and said Waverly Hills um they both agreed that the old sanitarium gave them the most unsettled feeling um all of the evidence that they caught that night just because it was a long investigation I believe that they were there for two nights um it just made everybody in the group uncomfortable and unsettled and um one of them said they were having dreams of like patients that and the nurse specifically in 502 which no thank you um and they were very very open when they said all of the reactions in that episode were completely genuine mm. um so it was really nice to have that firsthand experience with talking with someone who had been there so that yeah. was really um I honestly would love to go. Kentucky's a bit of a drive. Yeah, but it's I mean it's doable. Oh, it's absolutely doable. Let's go. Okay. Um we'll tell we'll you how you can help us do that <laughs> later. Um But that's Waverly Hills. Nice. Like it's still so uncomfortable to me that it existed, like, as a sanitarium until the 1980s. I mean, the fact that, and not saying that all sanitariums were like this, but the fact that the stereotype with them was, oh, we're just going to drop off our undesirables and we never have to worry about them again. Right, right. But, and the fact that that many people died, <laughs> I know tuberculosis was a very, very big issue. Um, and that was only at one sanitarium. Oh, and there were dozens, hundreds mm -hmm. across the country. Yep. And that's just insane to me. Like, Thank goodness that we have the modern medicine that we have now. However, apparently TB is a little bit on the rise again. Mm. Um, it's not, it's more asymptomatic because we do have the um, proper antibiotics to combat it, but it is starting to show back up again, which I think that's the most unsettling part about all of this. Um, fun fact, did you know that they were going to try and turn this into a hotel? Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Yep, they tried to turn it into a low-security prison first, which did not work. No, but also can totally see how that works. Mm -hmm. um, and then they also wanted to try and turn it into a hotel. Okay. Which, again, didn't work. Most of the current projects for uh, Waverly Hills have been abandoned, but I guess it's now, like, protected in Kentucky, like, as a historical landmark, so nobody touchy. I mean, makes sense. Like I said, they do tours and things like that. No, you cannot go onto the grounds without permission or an appointment. Yes, they have 24-hour security. Yes, you will be heavily fined. Don't do it. It's not a good yeah. idea. I'm sure there's also a little bit of asbestos hanging out, but we're not going to talk about that because, ew. 
know. Um, so just to give you some numbers, as of my brain stopped working. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say when did this article come out? As of 2013. Uh, it's a little outdated, but that's okay. Little bit, but as of today, 15 million Americans have what is called latent TB. Most of these people were foreign-born and exposed to TB in their country of origin, but still, that's a lot of people. And that's a lot of people. Because this is still a big issue in a lot of developing countries because they don't have the access to right. the, the medication that we have. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's Waverly Hills. Nice. Yes. So, a little over 200 years ago, John Bell Sr. and his family of Robertson County, Tennessee, found themselves at the mercy of an unseen something. So, I'm talking to you about the Bell Witch. Right, so, this is our Wikipedia. A USA Today article from 2015 by Nicole Young, bellwitch.org and bellwitchcave.com. We begin in 1804. John Bell Sr. and his wife, Lucy, had five children at the time. They'd eventually have a small army of nine. The family settled on farmland in Tennessee. John became a deacon at the Red River Baptist Church. They lived a quiet, prosperous life. Then we jumped to the summer of 1817. He saw a dog-like creature on his property. He fired, but the animal fled. Drew, John's son, saw a bird of quote-unquote extraordinary size, which also took off when approached. A slave of the Bells, which, yes, they kept slaves, Dean, said he was followed by a large black dog, much like the one John Bell shot at. Daughter Betsy claimed to see a girl in a green dress swinging from a limb in an oak tree in the yard. The activity moved into the home, and as it did, it seemed to center around Betsy, especially after she announced her engagement to a neighbor and suitor, Mr. Joshua Gardner. Knocking seemed to come from within the walls of the Bell home gnawing and clawing on the family's beds and the visible dogs fought and chains were heard being dragged across the floor. The bed sheets were ripped off the beds in the middle of the night and the bell children were subject to physical harm. Betsy took the brunt of the slaps, pinches, poking with pins and had her hair pulled. The bells enlisted the help of a family friend, James Johnston. After an evening in the farmhouse, Johnston claimed it was a, quote, spirit, just like in the Bible, end quote. As word traveled, the spirit was asked plainly and aloud, who are you and what do you want? It answered once, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. Another time, it said it was, quote, old Kate Bat's witch and responded to that name. Johnston's son, John, so many names, stick with me devised a test for the alleged spirit. He asked the witch what his Dutch step-grandmother might say if they were about to get into trouble. She replied in his grandmother's voice, Hut tut, what has happened now? Further, the spirit repeated word for word two different sermons given 13 miles apart at the same time. Kate, interestingly enough, had a soft spot for the lady of the house, Lucy. Lucy was deemed, quote, the most perfect woman to walk the earth. Kate would sing hymns and give Lucy fresh fruit. The USA Today article from 2015 claimed that Kate Bat was Lucy Bell's niece. John Bell Jr., while not treated quite so sweetly as Lucy, was also treated amiably. The witch grew spectators from far and wide, including then-general and future president Andrew Jackson. Jackson and his men stayed at the Bell Farm in 1819. When the horses approached the farm pulling wagons, They refused to pass a certain point. It was only after the bell witch, in a disembodied voice, granted them passage did the horses continue. Jackson's men were, in a way, attacked. A quote-unquote witch hunter was kicked in the backside. A voice claimed that there was another fraud in the party, and the group begged their general to leave. 
So why did the Bell Witch appear in the first place? It claimed to have ties to a treasure buried in a Native American burial mound the farm was built on. Drew Bell and a friend, Bennett Porter, went on an unfruitful treasure hunt. It seems, however, that Kate was most focused on two things. Ruining Betsy's engagement, we'll get there, and the torment of John Bell Sr. Early in the haunting, John developed a sort of temporary paralysis of tongue, mouth, and generally his face, a condition that has since been called Bell's palsy. Kate took to calling him Old Jack Bell and consistently made it clear that she intended to kill him. His health declined over the course of a year, and on December 20th, 1820, John Bell passed away after slipping into a coma. The family found an unmarked, unidentified vial of liquid in a cupboard. John Bell Jr. fed the mystery substance to the family cat, which died immediately. Mm. Kate claimed the murder with glee and even disrupted the funeral with drinking songs. In 1821, Betsy broke off her engagement to Joshua Gardner after years of harassment years of harassment by the witch. This seemed to satisfy her, and the Bell Witch left, but claimed she would return in seven years. Betsy would go on to marry her former teacher, Richard Powell, who was rumored to have dabbled in the occult, so take that for what you will. The Bell Witch did return in 1828 and enjoyed chats with John Bell Jr. They had deep conversations about Christianity, the meaning and origin of life and civilization, accurate predictions of the Civil War, and the need for spiritual reform. After three weeks, the witch bid her farewell, saying she would visit the Bell's closest living relative in 107 years, 1835. Then we come to the Bell Witch Cave. While there was no evidence tying the cave to the original haunting, the same sort of activity can be found. Disembodied voices screaming, wind from nowhere. The cave is available for tours, no children under four. And children under 18 require parents' consent. The hand-hewn long cabin haunted by the Bell Witch and built by John Bell Sr. still stands and is also available to tour. So it's really not very clear, at least as far as I could tell, if in 1935 a living member of the Bell family was visited. Several members of the family, ranging from one of those nine children through you know, descendants today have written books and, and essays and papers in, in published literature on their family witch, their family spirit, their family haunting. Um, but I can't find if it, it, it's currently unclear to me if the Bell Witch ever made contact again. Because I saw something that the closest living relative was a doctor who lived in Kentucky, I think, at the time. Hmm. And he did write a book, but there was nothing sort of concrete about whether or not he had had a visitation from the Bell Witch. Interesting. Right? I think a lot of the horror aspect of the Bell Witch centers around the cave, but I think it's really interesting the cave was not, had nothing to do with the uh, the original family haunting. Yeah. You know. Can I throw something in there? Yeah, you may. There are two <laughs> B-horror movies that I've seen. About the Bell Witch? Yes. Really? Tell me more. So, one is just simply titled The Bell Witch. It came out in 2017. It is on Amazon Prime if you would like to watch it. Hello. I don't want your paw. Thank you, though. The other one mm-hmm. is The Bell Witch Haunting, which came out in 2013. Also available on Amazon Prime. Both. <sighs> okay. So the first you one. Pick one. The first one. Absolutely the first one. The, the first one. Only because Betsy Palmer. Okay. I love, I love her. She is adorable. Um, she actually plays the Bell Witch. Kate. Hmm. There was also something I saw that. Oh, what was it? You're um, I don't want to. Your butt's molting. I don't want to like change the subject, but there's no, also. No, you're good. Um. Oh, 
And I think there's an American Haunting episode. I'm sure there is. In 2005. Um, So, I will say this about both of these. One is, the first one is more like a telling of the actual events. The other Mm. one is more set in modern day with that found footage feel. Both aren't great. The first one's more tolerable. The second one doesn't know what direction it wants to take. It's really unfortunate because they could have done so well. But. So, not to change the subject. So. We talk about, I prefer the thought that the Bell Witch um, was a woman. Yes. Um, I, I prefer to call her Kate. Um, but there's also a an oral tradition um, that's been written, or, or that was heard in Mississippi, of all places, that the Bell Witch was the ghost of an overseer that John Bell murdered in North Carolina. Okay. Um, and that the spirit fell in love with someone named Mary, but not really sure where that came from. Because as far as I could tell, even though there were nine of them, neither of the Bell daughters that I'm aware of were named Mary. Um, there was no Mary involved. Um So there's that. So going back to Betsy Palmer Palmer real quick. Mm -hmm. If you guys probably know her better as Mrs. Voorhees from the Friday Mm the 13th series that came in uh, the first two, at least. Um, First one came out in the 1980. The second one was 81. Um, Also, fun fact, did not know. She passed away May 29th, 2015. In Danbury. In our hometown. hometown. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, She is really the only reason I watched that version. (laughs) (laughs) True but sad facts. Um, Like I said, the other one was... The other one is more found footage, but the director didn't... It feels like they didn't know what direction they wanted to go to. Yes, there actually was an American Haunting episode that was out in 2005. I haven't seen it, so I can't contest to it. So, yeah, watch at your own leisure. Just take everything with a grain of salt because, quite honestly, potato movie is potato. Right. And like I said, I love me a good campy B-horror movie. I do, but sometimes you just got to say no. Yeah. So, I mean, there have been plenty. And, I mean, I think we're sort of, we're sort of missing the big one that was based on the, the Bell Witch. Which one? Blair Witch Project. Oh, yeah. So, so we were missing there for a moment the, uh, the like, granddaddy of modern, we'll say modern found footage film. Um um, and arguably one of the scariest movies of our childhood. Cause I don't know if you saw that when we were, you know, eight and nine, but yep, that was scary. Um, regardless of how you feel about it now. Um, but it's a very similar legend. This witch, the spirit, um, tormented a family and here's the story and we're going to go find some, some, some proof. Uh, for the record, we're talking about the 1999 version, not the newer one that came out in, I want to say, 2018. Yeah. Um, or the really not great remake or uh, sequel, direct sequel, which, yeah. depending on who you talk to, arguably is scarier than the first. Depends on who you talk to. So, yeah, there have been at least one, two, three, four, five, at least six movies, six films since 1999, including Blair Witch Project. Um that have been put out with the Bell Witch in mind. Um, there are bits and pieces of the legend that have been inserted into things like Poltergeist, Paranormal mm-hmm. Activity, Amityville Horror, um, Mama. Oh, yeah. 
There are oh finer as there are finer God. points of the legend that that have been inserted in other things. Um, oh. Ghost Adventures filled an episode at the Bellwitch Cave, which again, Bellwitch Cave doesn't really have anything to do with the original story. They just lump it all together. Yeah. Um, there have been songs and theatrical productions mm-hmm. um put up about the bell witch um one two three i see at least three plays and a ballet yep um and then just books for days and again you've got family history passed in there um and not for nothing regardless of if you buy into the haunting if if you think this was just a family's way of trying to explain away misfortunes in their lives or if this was betsy trying to get out of a marriage that she wasn't really into if she really wanted to just bang her teacher um you have to admit that the fact that this house is still standing yeah, and for twenty bucks you can tour the house and the cave and do some cool stuff like that. Um, I'm all for supporting small, weird, niche museums and support such. all the weird. Yeah, man. I'm currently wearing my hillbilly hot dog T-shirt. I'm in a hoodie. <laughs> so that's the story of the Bell Witch. Maybe um, one day we will get to Tennessee. Maybe. And so uh, going back real quick, the mm-hmm. whole pop culture thing. Um, mm-hmm. Waverly Hills has like when you think haunted asylum, especially in film, a lot of oh. it's pulled from Oh, it's I mean It's Waverly Hills. <laughs> it's the the epicenter of pop culture. And I think it's really interesting how some of these sorry, I'm getting a phone call that I don't know who you are I'm glad I'm not the only one that gets those phone calls like Grave Encounters and Grave Encounters 2 it's Waverly Hills granted it's not filmed there but still but yeah so I think it's interesting how some of these these legends right these these sort of the big names in hauntings are so ingrained in our pop culture and especially this time of year you know my favorite time of year it's a great time of year yeah i mean that's all i have to say about that yeah yeah join us next week um next week is also going to require a content warning i'm going to put you out there because i'm actually changing my subject for next week what? Um, what? No. No, no, no. I'm changing my top, my subjects. <laughs> no. Yes. Because yes. now I'm, I don't know what you're doing. I'm going darker than I was intending on going because I no. need to. Go. Yes. See, um, now I feel like it's going to turn into a competition and I have to find something darker than you. No, don't. because your story is plenty dark. Mm. So you'll have to join us next week for our spooky, scary Halloween episode. Um. Do we want to prep them? Nah. I will say this much. If you guys do not think you can handle gruesome details about murder, you probably should be with us in the first place. Because we've talked about murder before. We've talked about murder cases. We've talked about horrible things like that. But these are dark like dark darker than the toast that i usually make dark um huge huge yeah listener advisory please, please pay attention to the uh the advisory thing um all the relevant images for this episode right here will be on the instagram which is what sister strange podcast i thought you were something- asking me to say it i was <laughs> oh uh, well if you have something, if you have a haunting you'd like to share with us, or if you have details that we don't know, shoot us an email, sisterstrangepodcast at yahoo.com. Do it. Maybe help send us to, to the Bell Witch Cave or Waverly Hills. I'd love to go. Support us on Patreon. 
link will be in the link tree linked in this episode and it is linked on our instagram and we will see you guys in the next one bye everybody bye bye, bye.